And let's not forget the biggest question most CEOs and leaders of big organizations are asking themselves now, which is, why haven't I got a space rocket yet? You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. And welcome to The Occupational Philosophers. But before we go any further, what are you going to get out of today's show? You are going to get a spark of curiosity about questions and just how powerful they can be. We'll explore how you need to ask the right questions to make sure you're solving the right problems. And we have some thought experiments again that you can play at your next dinner party. Hey, Simon, welcome to another episode of The Occupational Philosophers. How are you? I'm very well, John, and your good self? Very good, very good. Very pleased to be here. What's caught your eye this week, Simon? Well, what's caught my eye this week is silos. And when I talk around silos, not the worky ones where you say, oh, we're all in silos and no one speaks to each other, but huge, big grain silos, as in for wheat and grain of that type, where which are in the outback in Australia, not right in the Ayers Rock outback, but sort of out in the countryside. And there's this huge project where these silos, which are maybe 60 metres wide, there might be sort of three or four of them in a row and about, I don't know, 50, 60 metres tall. So they're massive. They're painted by artists. So they are these huge murals, is the right way to say, that you can look at when you drive around. And the quality of the art on them is amazing. But more importantly, what's caught my eye is how they get their themes and they just become really curious and spend time in the local community. And then sort of they get inspiration from what they see. So they don't go there with anything in mind. Every artist has just spent some time locally and then they've produced what inspires them and they're curious about. That sounds fantastic. It almost sounds like uh, outdoor sculpture as well isn't it it's art sculpture these things standing in the middle of sort of vast open space yeah what's changed your perception of what these silos are so they do become i guess they become sculptural forms because they're highlighted by the paint as well but what i like is some of them might have like uh inspired by kids swimming in the local pool because it might be really hot and dusty or the indigenous culture or dream time or a guy who's a water diviner which is someone who goes around with sticks and they're sort of like this. And yet when the, when all the whatever yeah, yeah. lines up, there's a, some, <laughs> there's some depends. I was reading about today. Some people say pseudoscience, other people swear by it. They, um, <laughs> the sticks start to, to wobble. And so they got like a local water diviner, but I don't know, just the way we think about the world around us and how we represent the world around us. That sort of caught my eye, John. What about your good self? What have you been curious about That's this week? Right. Well, something completely different, but I guess that's the beauty of this, is that we're curious in very different ways. I'm curious about the fact, I was wondering why three billionaires are all racing to get into space. I think a few people are curious about that as well. What's your, what's your outtake when you're getting curious on what, what questions were you asking? 
I don't know. It, it feels like they might be getting on some life rafts and trying to get off Earth <laughs> before something happens. So that's one theory, I suppose. But Mark, uh, I'm just as curious as well as to the fact that all of the designs that all of these billionaires have created for their their rockets with these for these adventures into space are very different. And all I would say to anybody who's been following the story, even a little, do just make sure you do check out uh, Jeff Bezos's space rocket. <laughs> If you get a chance to look at that, just have a look and ask yourself the following question. Is he overcompensating for something? Is it like a form of a midlife crisis Ferrari? <laughs> it's, it is a midlife crisis on steroids. <laughs> no, Undoubtedly. I, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, I, I, I saw I, the headline out the corner of my eye this week. I didn't read about it, but I know where this is heading. There's been a lot of feedback saying, man, it really looks like a, a something. Yeah. <laughs> something, a something. That's all you need to say. It looks like a something. Um, it did make you then further think to wonder what was the, again, because this episode's about questions, isn't it? So Questions I was is what the show is about, John. It's what so. it's about. So I was wondering the questions that were sparking this adventure for those billionaires, because maybe it was something very profound, like, I wonder what it would be like to travel into space and reach the outer reaches of the universe, you know. What a question to kind of spark that adventure. Or is there life on Mars or other planets? Again, another great question. Or maybe it was just, um, how do I get one over Elon Musk? <laughs> you stinking car company. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what question has sent them into space? But, yeah, I was, I was very curious and slightly amused by some of the uh, photos. And maybe how different questions can still drive the same result even. But they're sort of <laughs> curious about they're curious about different things. Well, questions are what this show is about, John. And even though I've said that, I'm gonna kick off with a statement. And the statement is curiosity didn't kill the cat, it made it super cat. <laughs> is that the original quote that's the original quote by simon banks <laughs> <laughs> i like it there must be a picture to go with that surely there is a picture that goes with this and i will make sure i uh, provide a link to it in the show notes but i use it a lot because we're brought up to believe you know curiosity was a bad thing not even brought up you know that sort of old wives tale curiosity is a bad thing and that type of thing it really hampered the cat but really, asking great, asking great questions, a hampered cat, asking great <laughs> questions is about <laughs> being really curious. And when I talk about it in a work situation, I always talk around it's being curious enough to make sure you're solving the right problem, which is a really great thing in the world of, uh, let's say, innovation and creativity and problem solving. And I'm going to quote someone here who's a little bit more sage than my good self, Einstein said, if he only had an hour to save the world, he would spend 59 minutes defining the problem slash being curious about it, then only a minute to solve it. Can you imagine what it would be like <laughs> in that moment with Einstein going, I have another question. You go, for God's sake, Albert, there's only three minutes left. Patience, <laughs> patience. We will get there. Don't worry. Ah! 
<laughs> in the in the president's war room. Who is this guy? <laughs> Get him out of here. I want to miss. It's always good to bring Einstein in. But yeah, no, it's it's very true. I think it is. It's continuing to keep asking the questions, refine, 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 and and get quite precise on that because you're going to get to the right answer if you do. Um, Einstein also had another, he actually had a quote about curiosity, which I, I do remember, which is, um, curiosity has its own reason for existing, which I like as well. Again, so he was, he was definitely a philosopher, I think. He could be put in the pantheon of philosophers that we've talked about because he definitely kind of sort of, he fits the bill in many ways, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe round two will stick our friend Albert in there because when we always talk around quotes in offices, he's everywhere, isn't he, really? So with that sort of photo with his, you know, tongue out, going, yeah. You've got a real passion for questions and maybe an obsession, I could even say. Yeah, well, (laughs) sounds really (laughs) bad. But, yeah, I do. I'm a bit sort of a train spotter about questions. (laughs) I do tend to get books that ask about questions. Will you sit outside at a cafe and go, oh, that was a good one, 1342. I'm going to write that down. Another good one over there, 1345, 24-hour time. They might come back anyway. (laughs) Well, I do the same thing with questions. If I get a good question, I thought, I must write that down. I don't don't necessarily get around to answering these, but I I certainly sort of note them down and think, that's good. Um, Yeah, as we were coming to this episode thinking, okay, let's talk about questions, I got quite excited because, of course, they're brilliant in terms of being able to do wonderful things. They can do a lot of heavy lifting, as I would say, if you think about particularly in organizational life, with us being not so serious business podcast, questions can really transform things. And you can see it sometimes quite quickly. So where if a team or organization struggling with one particular problem that they're trying to define or whatever, or resolve, and then suddenly someone asks a question, and it just takes them leaps forward, they suddenly get a clarity, they get this crystallizing moment where they go, ah, that's actually what we should be looking at. And it's a question that's done that, that has given them that leap that transformation. So questions do a lot of heavy lifting. I like questions in the work that we do because we do a lot of work around conversations, meaningful conversations, and you realize that questions create conversations because they invite someone in. If you ask a question, it invites that person in. If you ask them questions that go to quite a deep level, you get to understand them as well. So you start to build empathy. So questions, again, just very powerful in being able to do quite a lot for us in day-to-day life but also in organizational life and do you have um you when you say questions can start conversations do you have a favorite question which you can always ask someone to kick off a conversation at all do you have like a conversation <laughs> well, starter well the uh, the kind of classic dinner party or party thing is or oh, what do you do so i absolutely st- lean away for, i steer away from that one and i never ask that question if i can at all help it but something like <laughs> i don't know what do you do in your spare time that sounds a bit weird sometimes coming up to people and saying that unannounced what do you do in your spare time who are you <laughs> get out you weirdo yeah, yeah exactly uh so <laughs> well you know it can be you know what's brought you here today or who do you know here or what are you most looking forward to today? Those kind of things. I'm thinking, of course, in that kind of conferency, or you might be out somewhere in some event or something like that. But is that what you I were like thinking that. of? Yeah, I was not sure, but I, I like that one around. What are you most looking forward to today? 
Or I often, I remember when you'd be out sort of at a festival or a nightclub and you'd be bouncing around and different things, you'd always start up a conversation with what's been cool about your week. And someone goes, oh, yeah, this time I did, <laughs> I did that. Actually, at festival, you'd probably say something like, how much have you had? <laughs> <laughs> Drink, obviously. How obviously. Vodka and I like a question I ask out in the surf as well, which I've found always gets a good conversation going. If you, you know, you might be out there by yourself instead of with some friends, yeah, someone will catch a wave and you go, hey, how's that last wave? It looked pretty good. And off they go for like, then you've got a best friend for the next 10 minutes. And then you do that two <laughs> or three times and you know everyone. You go, hey, how was that wave? Oh, it's good, man. A bit of a back turn. And then, oh, I come off at the end and I blew it. But all of a sudden, uh, happy times. So, Simon, thinking about questions and thinking about philosophical questions, people often think that they are ones that are quite deep and profound and have us think about how we're going to live our lives and does God exist and what's this all about and what's the meaning of life, etc. And they're really uh, good questions to ask ourselves. And they can transform the way we think about things and maybe transform the way we live our lives. So what kind of questions have, have you asked or been asked that have had some enlightenment moment for you that have really been quite deep and profound that have done something magical? Look, there was one from when I was first into my career, there was a guy who was maybe 20, 25 years older than me at the school I was working at when I was an, an art teacher. And he was just always into really cool things and lived a really interesting life and having these sort of wild dinner parties and played music and holiday. I don't know, so many cool things. And I sort of said this to him, I said, you get up to a, a lot of good stuff. And he said, in a, I guess, rhetorical way, well, life's not a dress rehearsal, is it, Simon? And that just sort of stuck with me since then. And it was my quote that I always had when people said, what's your you know, favourite quote for 10 or 15 years? And I think, and it still sticks with me, because I always think, well, it's not a dress rehearsal. What if I what if I died today, tomorrow or something? Like, what am I going to do today to be, do something exciting? So that's one that me that really sticks out and has been a very, very mm. positive influence on my life. Yeah, so that, it kind of makes you quite uncomfortable, some questions, don't they? When you ask those kind of deep questions or someone asks them of you, that's actually can make you feel quite uncomfortable. Yeah, well, that, that one didn't. But, yeah, I think if, uh, let's say sometimes, well, that's what counselling is, isn't it? I guess like, yeah, that, that's their, I, their <laughs> job to ask you really uncomfortable questions that you're maybe not so keen to look at and then they make you think a little bit differently and, and you go, oh, yeah, sure, I'm looking at it in, in a different light. Have you had any sort of life-changing questions that someone's asked or you've asked that's sort of sent Ooh. you on your your path? Yeah, I was, uh, will you marry me? That was a question that changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> you asked or did you ask? <laughs> I asked. Changed my life and changed someone else's life as well. <laughs> Swiftly followed by, do you want kids? <laughs> these are big questions they change things a lot that that side i think the big questions are that i kind of do ask that everyone probably does it's almost you know what am i here for what's my gift what do i want to do what am i afraid of think about so much of what uh, holds us sometimes in a particular pattern of things or place or environment situation 
And Look, we talk around that. Let's go back to we talk about the ogre in our first episode, remember? And we talk around what stops us back, what holds us back from being the creative, curious cat we should be. And it's that's a great one. What am I really afraid of here? What's maybe stopping me doing the things I want or maybe leading the life I want to, not wanting to go, you know, to D&M or Tony Robbins all of a sudden, not knocking Tony, we love him. But, you know, like those asking, yeah, what am I afraid of here? And should I, do I need to be afraid, actually? Well, you could probably go with those five wires or however many wires you need to ask. That uh, uh, Toyota example that you gave earlier, you know, you make the statement of what you're afraid of and then you just interrogate that. Yeah, that could be a very good way to keep asking the questions that dig and dig and dig and dig to find out what's really going on. And have you had any other sort of big questions you've, that have shaped your life or you've asked or is there something you maybe, um, you maybe ask each day as a question? Am I meant to be eating this much Ben and Jerry's? That's a question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I would say why not? has been a question that's been asked of me, which yeah. has been one of those moments where, you know, you might say, which could be in that classic way of, I want to write a book, but I, you know, not sure. Why not? Or I want to do this. Why not? Go for it. That thing which just pushes you, nudges you over the edge of whatever is holding you back. Really simple. Yeah, and Salvador Dali is another favourite quote of mine, so Salvador Dali, which we've spoken about before in his phallic-shaped pool. But one of his quotes was he, <laughs> he used to get up, he says, I get up every day and I say, what amazing things shall I bring into the world today as Salvador Dali? That was like his opening, I haven't quite got it right, that was his opening sort of uh, thought every day. And you look at what he did and he just, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to, kick some creative ass today i guess or something yeah and that's before what shall i have for breakfast do you think he was <laughs> the way i read the story that was the first thing he just wake up and go what is salvador dali going to do today that is amazing maybe we should all start talking to ourselves in the third person and that will make us feel more profound what is yeah, simon I'd... banks going to create today that's what you'd say to yourself Okay, it's time for a thought experiment, John, and just help us to think a little bit differently, be curious about the world around us. And this is an imagine, an imagine thought mm. experiment. So imagine aliens arrive, they invite you to go to their planet and stay for five years, okay, which maybe builds on some of the uh, so the space exploration we talked about a little bit <laughs> earlier. Um, just a bit. So just a little bit, yeah, it's that type of uh, show, but... You have to think about this, pretend you're single, so you don't have any family to think about and that type of thing. So there's none of those family considerations and, yeah, and that type of stuff. So first question is, would you go? Mm. So I, I'm single, so immediately I'm thinking, I'm quite relaxed and carefree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's say you're you're sort of at that peak time of your life, whatever would that may I be. So, yeah, I think I'd be tempted to go, Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I know there might be other conditions around this, but yes, let's imagine I would go. I think the curiosity and the temptation to find out what's at the far outer reaches of space with an alien race would be too tempting to say no to. So I'm going to say yes, I would go. Okay, yeah. so, so you're on the you're on the the vessel, whatever that is, that's taking you out into space. Now, what would you take? What would you take with you? If there's maybe just one thing. What would you take? Or maybe three things? I'm not... 
Oh, uh, now let's say one thing, one thing with two. Well, it's, uh, I was thinking it's kind of like a massive holiday, so I'll probably just take a camera and a pair of swimming trunks. <laughs> My assumption is they're going to have some sort of leisure facilities there. They're quite advanced rates. Yeah, they must sure. have sussed out that they don't have to work anymore and everything's done by robots or floaty other beings or something, and they just sort of hang out. So, yeah, it's camera and swimming the, trunks. I've obviously got to prove that I've been there for five years, otherwise they're all going to think I'm crazy when I get back, saying, hey, yeah. I've just been on Zorg. 15 in the outreaches of the milky way and they go yeah prove it they go hey <laughs> iphone well look at my trunks how worn out are they like i just this <laughs> swimming in england it's so cold what's the one question you would ask them <laughs> you're not going to do anything funny to me are you <laughs> <laughs> which may be, which is unfair, Simon, because you should have asked me that before I got in the ship because I would want to ask that question before I got on board just to make sure. I know they well, could you, lie. You've already committed. Yeah, sure. You've already committed. So um, you're on the ship. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could ask something more profound, obviously, but no, that's that was the my first thought is, oh, dear, maybe I've made a mistake. What are they going to do with me for five years? Would you go? Would you go, Simon? Yes. Yes, okay. I would go. You would. 100%. Just yeah, you, without without you... hesitation there. It would depend what type of week you'd had. Like if you had a really good week and, you... <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, I'm just enjoying <laughs> life and I'm doing loads of cool stuff and being out a lot, I might just go, no, I'm, I'm on fire here. I don't want to put a hose on that. <laughs> and you come back five years older as well that's the other thing well um, or, anyway, would you? or would you who knows yeah anyway i'd go uh, i'd go yeah. yeah okay and then so what are you what are you going to take i would take a, a notepad and a sketchbook so i think well imagine the the ideas you'd have coming out in your space <laughs> and, <laughs> and imagine we come back to earth five years later i've got proof with photos you've got sketches of aliens look it's true i've sketched them who's going to be, be believed i wouldn't i'm not you it's not, a, it's not a belief thing it's a personal satisfaction i'd want to <laughs> yeah i just want to draw and look and write things down philosophize what one question would you ask them well look uh, it's not dissimilar to what you asked but it's the it's the, it's similar will this hurt <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, they're probably really nice, the people who are going to take us away. Simon, we're a not-so-serious business podcast. So thinking about all of the questions that we've been posing in the show so far, we can start to draw in and maybe think about questions we might ask ourselves in the workplace as individuals, as teams, as leaders, as organisations, as a sort of collective entity. Well, why don't we go teams first? I think we're all part of a team, I would think. Even if you work by yourself, I'm sure you still have people which help you out. So, look, if you connect with other people in your workplace, you're part of a team. So what do you think, like you do a lot of work in this space with asking, you know, I guess deep questions with teams. What are some thoughts in this? How can teams ask better questions or are there certain questions a team should ask to function at their best? 
Yeah, I think most people would recognise that teams come together to try and achieve something. They've usually got some purpose in mind. So the obvious questions often, you know, why are we here? Why are we together? What are we for? Is it the obvious first question? You know, what are you formed for? Teams come together. They have a goal. So what's our goal? What's our purpose? Or what are we trying to solve? Or what are we trying to achieve? Any different ways you can construct that type of question. I guess individually, you then start to have people within that team ask themselves, and why am I here? You know, what's my role? How do I fit into this? Where do I provide value? How do I contribute? And then I think we get into that, what do we expect of each other? Teams then sort of go, okay, we know where we're going, what we're trying to achieve. We know the roles we play. What do we expect in terms of behaviours and how we'll be together? It's almost, I guess, as you would see it, Simon, a team charter, isn't it? We'd, you'd often see that as kind of a, a useful starting point for most teams to kind of lay things out. I like that one, what do we expect of each other? Because once you start to share that, as we always say, we're all different cats, aren't we? So we all operate a little bit differently. We all look at the world a bit differently. Our ways of working different. We all have different pet peeves and pet hates and things where we will be at our best and things we won't be at our best. So what do we expect of each other? And there's some really nice things you can ask. I think you can frame around that as well, like what gets you really excited at work, what uh, really gives you the the shits or something or what uh, <laughs> when, when can we when do you need time yourself whatever that may be so yeah I think it's a really nice team question you can ask there and especially on that human level you're right about all curious cats those teams sometimes it's like herding cats that's definitely one of the analogies that's often used with people sort of wandering off in different directions and you're trying to draw them together so they kind of gel and become now there's a, a bit more cohesive there's a really good um youtube clip which i'll put in our show notes it's about cowboys herding wild cats and like <laughs> sort of on the prairie bringing them in and they've got all these cats it's, it's, it's quite funny <laughs> the quality isn't very good but i'll um i'll put that in our show notes I, Share I, that I with enjoy us. It. and one of the other things as coming together with teams is often to ask them to start asking the questions of what they think the problems are they're trying to solve. You know, that why are we here? All of those questions is, is yield so many questions that you could look at that and be flooded by them, overwhelmed by them. So you can often then ask the question and say, what's the most important question to answer right now? And so you get a question that allows you to prioritize the questions that have been generated. And then again, that can start to bring some focus to it as well. And I like that because it's sort of the opposite of we always ask questions, you're taking more and more information, so you're gathering that information. But that question around what's the most important question to ask right now sort of narrows your focus as well, so it gives you that direction because often in the world of, in my role, we say, oh, let's be as creative as possible. Let's, you know, be as curious as we can imagine. At some stage, you have to bring it back in to focus. So it's not just always going as wide as you can in your thinking. Mm-hmm. That curiosity also needs to be channeled so you can move forward. Yeah, and there's a nice thing around just thinking about how you construct questions. You know, you have the prefix of what, how, when, why, which, who, and then you have the scope of the question. Is it talking about the I or the you or the we or the us or whatever, or society. So what should I, what should we, what should they? Uh, And then the idea of thought. So that construction of question allows you to go divergent and draw stuff in and possibilities. What if questions are great for that? 
or you know there's other ways of saying that and then you get in very precise ones about how and how are we going to do this and that gets into something a bit more tangible a bit more convergent and i like how if you just change that little piece at the beginning how might i or how might we or how might society or how might an organization just that one little change of word completely changes the scope of that question it can absolutely blow that your original thought process out of the water. And look, I've got a really good uh, a framework I use. It's not mine. It's from uh, IDEO, the design firm, uh, sort of, uh, I guess, you know, made design thinking popular, but they're very much mm. in that sort of diverge, converge space you spoke about and started off with how might we dot, dot, dot. So you go really wide in your thinking and then so that we can. Okay, so that we can. So the how might we question is a fantastic framework for any question because it makes you go really wide. It doesn't narrow you off. But then the so that we can brings you back in. And when you do this with uh, teams, I find this, you know, defining a question can maybe take a day or two sometimes. <laughs> like you think it's really easy, but it's really, there's a lot of no. gnashing of teeth and headbutting defining what's the thing we actually want to solve here. But that's a really nice framework to push people towards as a starter. And just going back to just that thing earlier about the billionaires trying to get into space. I mean, again, how might we get into space so that we can beat Richard Branson? Now let's have a look at leadership, John, and the questions leaders have to ask what do you think some of those key questions that leaders do need to ask in their role? And look, we'll frame this if you're thinking I'm not a leader. Look, we're all leaders. You might be a leader in your field. You might just be a leader in thoughts that you don't even share or you might lead a team. Or So we're all, we're all leaders and have a role to play as leading others. So what are some of those questions, John? Well, I think this has to be it's almost akin to the, the questions that Socrates and all those older philosophers would have asked themselves, you know, why do we exist? Why are we here? What's this all about? I think why do we exist is a is a cracking question for any leader to ask themselves because I think that goes to the very heart of what that organization's about. And and then by extension it starts to maybe look at then what problems do we solve? It starts to see, you know, you have a you exist and you're there trying to solve a problem or you're trying to create some sort of change. So I think what problems do we solve or what change do we wish to make underneath that why do we exist is really uh, useful. I think maybe the questions are changing as well. If you look at the world around us, I think definitely as we become more, let's say you and I are, you know, Gen X, so we've seen, we've grown up seeing uh, the world change massively with social conscience around the way we operate and think and behave, which is a great thing as well. Whereas maybe leaders sometimes used to say, oh, we exist to uh, make our shareholders happy and pay a great dividend. But maybe now that's not enough just to exist around that. And I like that one around what change do we wish to make? What problems do we solve? Yeah, the, the idea of the scope of the question, I think that's right. I think that's the thing we that I would have seen as well, as, as you say, that socially conscious means that organisations are now asking the how do we have a positive impact on? And then the scope used to be shareholders or stakeholders or whatever, and now it's society or community or globally or how do we play our part in solving global issues rather than just our issues so i think the scope has definitely changed of the questions that leaders are asking themselves and need to be asking themselves and i think the frequency that they need to be asking these questions has changed as well it's got 
faster. They need to be reflecting on this more often because there's such rapid change now, technological change, global change, etc. that it means that the frequency as well as the scope has, has changed for people. So as a leader, as we always come back to, staying really curious and making sure you're asking the right questions as well. And I think a nice one might be what problems do we want to solve? Like you might have been a, a bit of a legacy business and uh, but it might be like, what problems do we want to solve? And look, I do work with a large technology company and they put a huge amount of money, a uh, huge amount of effort into solving massive problems around waste and around pollution and clean oceans, nothing to do with their business model, but they've just decided with their operating system, they've got massive reach and massive impact that half the world uses, not Microsoft. Mm. And they've said, well, look, we want to solve problems. It's not and I've taken other organisations I work with to see these guys and learn about their innovation process because they're really sort of famous for it. And they sort of come out going, wow, I can't believe they do that for the good yeah. of... And one of the guys said, well, look, we just figure eventually people will solve it using our platform. You know what I mean? Like our, our platform has a role to play in this as well. So look, there's, you know, doing something for the good of it and just, you know, fingers crossed some, something might come back for the organisation. So a different type of question as well what problems do we want to solve there's always a better question i think in my mind as, as even when i'm asking questions i always think is there a better question here that just takes this to a different place and i think that for leaders that's it is there what's the best question i can ask here is there a better question is there a different question yeah endlessly curious and I'll often say when we talk about reframing the questions when we're talking around sort of the world of innovation, like what you know, what problems do we want to solve? And everyone will be like, no, I'm not sure. No. They'll go, what gives you the shits? Oh, I'll tell you this and this and this and he said that. And then I go, well, okay, well, there's just framing that question a little so bit just, differently. <laughs> you, the thing which gives you the shits, that, that's what you want to solve, if that makes sense. I, so. I like that. So what really pisses you off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes that was, wasn't it? That's what created the innovation because they wanted to change something that they were trying to solve, which was something that pissed them off. And I think also as a leader, maybe if you're not getting, maybe you're getting the answers that you want, or for all of us, so maybe just think, am I asking the right question to the people around me? Like, am I challenging them in the right way? Or, yeah, I'm not sure. And let's not forget the biggest question most CEOs and leaders of big organisations are asking themselves now, which is, why haven't I got a space rocket yet? So we have another thought experiment, Simon, and it's drawn from the idea again that questions can be very revealing. They can be great revealing who you are individually. And there's a, a field of relational psychology, which has always been very interesting to me. It's great fun to play at dinner parties. <laughs> and they work by presenting you with a hypothetical situation with lots of variables, and then your answers reveal aspects of your personality and your values. So this thought experiment is called Walking in the Woods. Now, look, I'm, I'm a little worried here already because uh, I've listened back to some of the things I've said and I thought, man, I sound really stupid. <laughs> I'm a You'll little fine. worried. I'm a little worried what we're going to reveal. Okay, but I'm, it's a thought experiment. Let's run with it, John. Yes. Let's do it. And of course, play along at home or in the car or the bath or wherever you are listening. So here we go. I okay. want you to imagine yourself walking through the woods. And I want you to think now, how thick are the woods? Is it a thick jungle or a piney forest? Okay. Are, are they the two options or do I answer? Or just or? describe it. Yeah, yeah. Just tell me what, 
What kind of woods are you in? Well, so like the woods when you're wandering sort of in England and sort of like the, the in Suffolk and there's sort of a lot of bluebells around, like the, the spring flowers that oh. are popping up. So oh. it's quite thick but not so thick that you can't squeeze between the trees. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I know what that means. But I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to stop this experiment. <laughs> I'm feeling weird. Who are you walking with? I'm just walking by myself. Okay. Yeah. And um, you continue on your walk through this these woods and you come across an animal. What kind of animal is it? Is it an animal that belongs in this type of woods or is it out of place? What do you see? It's out of place because I'm not sure, but it's, uh, they're both out of place. It's a raccoon riding a unicorn. I don't know. There's, I, well, I don't know whether they're. <laughs> Are you on something? <laughs> I'm high you... in life. <laughs> come on, you run the experiment. You're poking holes in me already. So come on. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I'm going to put my white coat back on here. Yeah. All right. All so right. you come up to the animal, this raccoon riding on a unicorn. What yeah. does the animal do? Or what do those animals do? The unicorn just looks at me and smiles. And the raccoon just goes, you're lost. <laughs> it's a talking raccoon. Oh, I suppose yeah, you've yeah. got a unicorn. We can have a talking raccoon as well, can't you we? Go, Why not? You're lost. Yeah. Sure. It's your forest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Now you're walking through, you're walking through, you say goodbye to the raccoon and the unicorn. Yeah. And you continue and you come to a clearing and there is a house in the middle of the clearing. Just describe that house to me. It's made of gingerbread <laughs> and covered okay. in like sweets and lollies. And is it is there a fence around it or is it just open or? No, there's a white picket fence uh -huh. and there's a white picket fence and it's like a double story one with a pitched mm. roof, like a big tall pitched roof. And there's a window in the top, like, you know, mm. you obviously a window in the ceiling, that sort of, section <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> i know what you mean the bit you eat okay last. okay yeah yeah <laughs> so right you're going to walk up to the store of this two-story gingerbread house yeah and it's open the door's open okay. and so you walk in and you see a table what mm -hmm. is on the table roast dinner a roast dinner mm. oh, okay very good and then you carry on through the house and you walk out the back door and behind the house, there's a big lawn and, and a garden. And sort of as you look out there, you find a cup. What is the cup made of? It's like a, a ceramic a ceramic wine glass, if that makes sense. It's sort of like you know, a Viking might have or something, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, uh, it does in your world. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, you, what do you do with this cup? I look inside it, and it's got some. It's got some liquid in it. And I drink it. Okay, and then do you put the cup down? Do you keep it with you? What do you do? You... No, I put it in my pocket. It's a nice cup. Put it in your pocket. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Nice cup. Something to drink. And yep. then you walk to the end of the garden, and you find yourself a body of water. What kind of body of water is it? What do you see? Unusually, it's a, a surfing beach in Suffolk, which is quite unusual, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surfing beach. And um, like you were seeing Hawaii, so you come out of it yeah. and this surfing beach. Yeah. And mm. you've got to cross this water to get home. So uh, what do you do? 
I just swim. Feeling pretty casual about it. Go for a swim. Yeah, casual, freestyle. Casual swim. Yeah. Freestyle it out there. Yeah. Casual swim. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Should we <laughs> should we find out just what this means? Sure. I'm, I'm really interested now. <laughs> so let me just play this back to us then. So um, here we go then. The results. Here we go. So the density of the forest relates to the things going on in your life. So if it's quite thick and impenetrable, then you see life as complicated, a little bit sort of tricky to get through or whatever. But if you imagine yourself in quite a hardwood forest with sort of orderly trees there sort of set out, then you might saw more organisation in your life. So you see yourself skipping through a field of bluebells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Which actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were some trees, but it was kind of sort of quite easy going, wasn't it? Felt like, yeah, felt so it wasn't quite hard. Nice. What does that mean? No. What does that mean? Well, it means there you go. That's how you're making your way through life. Things ah, going cool, on in your life. Cool. You see it as a skip through the bluebells. Yeah, sure. Jeez. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're on something that makes you see raccoons and unicorns. That's why. <laughs> the person you're walking with is someone who's important to you in some way. So yeah, oh, you're on your own. <laughs> 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 oh yeah i go with that one <laughs> i get that <laughs> let's go for the animal the animal you come across is a representation of the problems you see in your life so you saw a raccoon and a unicorn <laughs> was it appropriate for the forest you were in and if it wasn't that's a representation of problems that you feel are out of your control so i wonder okay, what the raccoon sure. is yeah so the raccoons are kind of that's like kind a of bandit. Like it's quite bandit, the, isn't it? So yeah, grab things quite grabby. But the unicorn, you've got some friendly spirit on your side. though. you feel like you've got somebody in your corner. Yeah. Okay. So that's I can uh, run with that. So you can handle these problems. I'm not making this up at all. No, no, I, I can see you're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> so your interaction with the animal is a representation of how you deal with these problems that you see in your life. So did you did you fight it? Did you run? Did you hide? I think you just said hello to it, didn't you? Yeah. In fact, yeah. You, you started talking to it and the, the unicorn smiled at you and the raccoon said, oh, you're lost. So you engaged <laughs> with your problems, didn't run away. You could have sort of met a bear and sort of ran away from it or shot it, but you didn't. <laughs> you had a, you be a bit harsh had a shooting a bear in your imaginary <laughs> forest. <laughs> What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we, re we reached the clearing and you saw the home and it was representative of your level of ambition. So there you go. A two-story gingerbread house. That's it. That's as, that's as high as you want to go. Okay. Well, I that's think good. it's pretty difficult. Who lives, in a, who lives in a gingerbread house? Yeah. No one. You want, to do, yeah. you want to do something unique. Your ambition is yeah. to do something unique. There we go. Yeah. You see? That's great. Was there a fence around it? So it's, it's representative of how open you are as a person. So you had a little white picket fence, quite welcoming, yeah. actually, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah, keeping people out, just making things look pretty. You know, you could have a barbed wire fence there, for example, and that would be worrying, particularly around the gingerbread house. <laughs> Keep the critters okay. out. Okay, we've got three more to go. The items on the table are representative of your happiness. Ah, there you go. A nice, comforting roast dinner. So you're quite content then. That's quite comforting. Yeah, okay. Content yeah. Contentment. Very welcoming, that. isn't it? Yeah, there you go. And then, ah, the durability of the cup relates back to your relationships with the people around you. So you had a ceramic cup, Viking, so that had a bit of strength to it there, doesn't it? Yeah. 
full had drink in it as well so that's you had full relationships that are pretty right. strong i can run that's, with that's, this. that's yep. i'll go with that okay yeah <laughs> and then what did you do with the cup so you kept it with you yeah you held on to it that is representative of your attitude towards those relationships and people so you hold on to okay. them there you go all right this is Why turning not? out all right i'm not as nervous as i, I think was you, when no you've we done started. very well yeah. Very well. And then the size of the body of water is related to your capacity for love. So look at that. It's as wide and deep as the ocean. Look at that. There you go. Hey. Glad it there wasn't a go. puddle. I'd be like. It's <laughs> <laughs> a small, muddy puddle. And then how you got, whether you got wet or not, is or jump straight in, which you did, is that how important love is to you in your life. So you jump in. There you go. Hey. All right. Now. Is there a is link that, to this that people can do? Like this is quite. I can, yeah. I I put that we found that it was a relational psychology. I'm sure we can get the link to it. There's probably yeah. there's, if people put walking in the woods in Google psychology, they'll probably get something similar. It probably exists on loads of places, but I'll uh, I'll put one of the ones I found up on the show. Notes. And if you've been playing along at home and you've just dived into a puddle after having a, a hut surrounded by barbed wire, sorry, <laughs> and a wrestle with a bear. john well that sort of wraps up our show today because questions is what this show is all about and look we've delved into you know the world of questions a little bit into my soul as well so watch out next time because i'm going to prepare something for you which will bear your heart to the world as well john but look (laughs) we always like to have a just a little bit of a, a reflection at the end of the show just one thing that maybe stood out you'd like to um yeah, leave people yep. with. One thing would be just thinking about that, how you construct those questions. So that idea of a prefix of the what, the how, the who, the when, where, etc. And I think in the day-to-day when we've got to-do lists and things that we're trying to tick off, we are often in how we're going to do this, what needs to be done next, when, where, etc. And I think just giving, changing that prefix to maybe what if, why, what else, why not is a useful thing to do. So change the construction, change the scope. Why, why should I or why should we or how could we or how might we is a good thing to, to keep practicing. So there's a few little changes of those words at the front and you can have a massive change in your result. And look, I think the one that I want to take away with is because I do a lot of work in this sort of entrepreneurial space and it's always like what problem do you solve and all that type of stuff. I think a really nice one is what problems do we want to solve? if that makes sense. I think that was when we thought about the show, like what problems do we want to solve and help people to be more curious, more creative, use their imagination and just lead a more interesting and fun life as well. If you've got any questions that change your life, feel free to email them to us because they could be great. We'll build up a little store of those and share those maybe in a later episode. But uh, you can send those through to occupationalphilosophers at gmail.com. So look, what else do we want people to do? I think we'd like people to subscribe to our show. And look, I know this one's really hard, but look, if you're in sort of the leaving ratings, leave us a rating because what that does, a five-star one only and a little review because that actually starts to share what we're doing here and uh, spread the word about being a more creative, curious, imaginative cat that we're all designed to be. And in the meantime, be curious, play more and have fun. Now, John, look, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what about, are all questions good? What about some dangerous questions? Can they be dangerous oh. or annoying? Shh, loads of dangerous questions. Are you going to wear that to the party? That's a dangerous one. 
Yeah, you better love Socrates. Look what it did to him. He got, you know, he got. <laughs> you might have uh, Leslie bring out some hemlock. Special drink before the party, John. <laughs> <laughs>